from the New Jersey area. She's in the marketing and biz dev industry. Uh, how are you doing today, Karen? Hey, Mason. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, you know, one of the things that stood out um, about you um, is uh, your LinkedIn profile and how you have the LinkedIn certifications and stuff like that. Um, what was your experience with that? Like, did you... How do you get, go about getting LinkedIn certifications on your profile? Great question. Well, um, I need to be honest with you, the LinkedIn, the LinkedIn profile um, or the LinkedIn learning actually is uh, one of the benefits of being on LinkedIn. And it was kind of a surprise to me that that was there, but it was a nice surprise. Um, I really enjoyed it because I'm a, I like to think of myself as a perpetual student. So, you know, as I'm popping around on, you know, fixing up my profile and stuff, and then this, you know, LinkedIn always sends you notifications, and it says that you have this opportunity to learn. And I was like, learn? Oh, wow. <laughs> I like to learn, you know. Um, I think you should always be open to learning, um, you know, is something that I feel like as much of an expert as you can be in your particular industry, it's always important to keep yourself open to learning more because there are people born every day who are going to bring new ideas and new thoughts and new methods to, uh, you know, to life in general and to, into the, into your particular industry. So you yeah. have to be open to that. So, you know, when it suggested that it was there, I was like, oh, this is great. So I got on right away and I started looking and, um, you know, you go in and you put in, you know, what you do, what your industry is, you know, and then it makes recommendations and suggestions. But, the nice thing about it is that you can actually um, decide, you know, like, oh, you know, I'd really like to learn a little bit more about basket weaving, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. so you can, you can veer a little off from your particular industry um, because I find that, you know, some people get so stuck on the, the technical aspects of, okay, I'm in business development. I need to know the sales cycle. I need to know the buyer's journey. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know I need to know when to close, but there's so much more about, anybody's particular industry that you can learn that can add to what you're doing. Like the course I took on, you know, how to give a good elevator pitch. Yeah. I totally agree with that because like for me, like for the past seven, eight years, I've been in sales. And so like, and I know you and I talked about this too. Like I have a few HubSpot Academy certifications and a lot of those are in sales, but there's um, something called Allison, it talked a lot about like marketing and PR um, and like for me, like knowing different things. I even took a course on um, like a, it was like a law class on edx.org. Uh -huh. I'm, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a paralegal, but I'm like, I should at least know some of the basics of, of that. So like similar to you, I'm a student. I like learning. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, so when you took, so for me, when I took, the HubSpot Academy certifications, each of them came with a test, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
So did you have to take a test for these certifications on LinkedIn or was it like um, you watched a series of videos and then you're good? Well, you know, it depends on the course. They have like these little quizzes along the way and, and you know, how you pass the quizzes, you know, also gauges whether or not you pass the course kind of a thing. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, yeah, the, the HubSpot um, Academy is, is excellent, is an excellent platform for learning as well. Um, you know, I think it's important to test your knowledge along the way because you can just, you can sit there and watch those videos and sometimes depending on how interesting the person is, you can end up falling asleep. <laughs> Yeah, but um, you know, it's good to test your knowledge and I'm one of those kind of people that you know The, the course is five hours, but for me, it's actually ten because you know, I'm I'm rewinding and taking notes and did I really hear that? No, well, that's really cool And what do they mean by that? And you know, I take a break and look at my notes again and make sure I understand and if there's you know, a concept or something that was talked about that I didn't really get, I'll go back and I'll research it, you know, hold that thought, let me go see, you know, get another resource, okay, yeah. I got it and move forward kind of a thing. So, yeah, yeah LinkedIn has a, a fantastic platform for learning. Um, there's yeah. so much in terms of topics that can really develop a person professionally. Yeah, you know, professional de development is definitely important to me and I know it's important to a lot of our listeners. And like, I, th I don't know if you made a post on LinkedIn, I, I think it also says it on your uh, profile. What is data science? What is that? Data science? Yeah. Um, I think it's so important, you know, when people think of marketing, they think of advertising, they think of um, what's called outbound advertising, which is I'm going to get a billboard or I'm going to get an ad or, you know, and I'm going to kind of shout out to the world, you know, you know, hey, I'm Mason and this is what I do. I make podcasts. You should come and listen to me. I'm, I'm yeah. sliced bread, you yeah. know, but a lot of times what happens is if you don't combine your in your outbound um, marketing with inbound techniques which are attracting techniques, then what you do is you, you lose your customers and you end up going out and pursuing people who may not even be ready for what you, <clears throat> what you have to offer. They may not know that they need your services. They may not understand your services. So combining your outbound and your inbound using data. Data, um, there, yeah, there's so much data on everybody all over the place. Right. I remember some time back, people were concerned about, you know, the whole thing with Facebook collecting data on us. Remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, um, and I was working a lot with seniors at the time, and I remember going out and talking to the seniors about their data. And I said, you know, people have been collecting data on people for a lot longer than the Internet has even been around. I mean... I remember being a little girl and going to the doctor's office and my mother getting a clipboard and having to put down all of our information, your address, your, your social security number, mm -hmm. you know, your medical right. conditions. Um, yeah. The only difference now is that it's all input into, you know, into the Internet and to you right. know, digital, uh, digital aspects. So, exactly. you know, people have been collecting data on us for, you know, as long as as long as you've been alive. You know, I mean, you know, they make a chart on you the minute you're born. Right. So. The whole idea of data science is utilizing all of these um, these different points on people, you know, their geography, their race, their religion, their age, their creed, their interests, all of these um, points to then better speak to them and deliver the message to them through the right channel. Okay? Yeah. So that's the whole idea of having your advertising, your outbound, but also having your inbound tactics so that people can understand when they're going to need your services or what it is that you actually do and reaching the right people with the right message at the right time. Nice. Yeah. Cause I think I took a, uh, 
I watched a few courses on, I think it's called DataQuest. Um, if I'm wrong, I'll correct myself later. But um, it talked about data science. So I, I know a little bit about data science, <laughs> but from what but from what I do remember, um, it's very important. Like numbers and you know information, you got to be able to capitalize on the information because if you don't, if you're not aware of what data science is, and using that for whether it's like you said, sales, marketing, um, you can lose you can lose customers, like you mentioned. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, I shared this on a uh, earlier in a different episode. I talked about how I grew up with a learning disability um, and the different challenges I had, and I had to have a tutor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that you have experience with. I think it was over a decade, close to two decades. Um, no, you're not. Oh, okay, okay. I was about to say that. Okay, we can edit that out. We it's okay. That. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what got you into uh, tutoring? Well, to start with, first of all, I think that everybody should have a tutor. To be perfectly straight, I think that you know, teachers. First of all, our teachers have a um, huge um, challenge ahead of them, you know, with the number of kids that they have in their classrooms, because everybody learns at a different pace. Um, people learn differently. You know, uh, you may be an auditory uh, learner where, you know, you hear a particular lesson um, and, or you hear a teacher lecture and you get it right away. You know, I'm not one of those people. I'm the, you know, the visual learner who has to rewind and wind and rewind and wind and take notes and look back on my notes. That's how I learn. Other people are, you know, hands-on learners. Um, so, you know, you, you stick, you know, 12 to 30 kids in a classroom. I mean, you know, I mean, it varies depending on where you're at. And the teacher is teaching in whatever way it is that they learn. They're trying to get across this information to the students. Um, you know, of course, you're going to have people that are going to—they're going to be left scratching their head at the end of the class. You're going to walk out in your group, and some people are going to be like, "Ah, oh, yeah, that was easy," and other people are going to be like, "I, I didn't, I didn't understand a thing that teacher was saying." So, you know, in that respect, I think it's really important, and I wish that that everybody could have a tutor. So, you know, um, there's no shame in having a tutor. I think that it was great that your parents saw the opportunity and said, "You know what? We're going to give them the advantage." That's fantastic, and I applaud them for that. Um, I, I have a funny story where it comes to my tutoring. I kind of fell, I fall into a lot of things in my life. I, I'm a very spiritual person. Yeah, I, think it I, don't believe, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe there's any coincidence or accidents. I believe that it's all in God's timing, to be honest. And I think that God had designs for me to, to teach in one way or another. Um, but I was one of these little rebels that, you know, my dad was a teacher. And he used to always say to me, you know, you should get your teaching certification. You know, it's a good career to fall back on. It's a good career. <laughs> listen to this. You, you tell the decade I was raising. It's a good career for a woman, <laughs> especially when she wants to have a family. You know, nowadays I'm like, Dad, you can't say those kinds of things. Please, Dad. Yeah. Um, but I was a little bit of a rebel in that, you know, like I, I was raised a little bit differently. Um, I came from a, a, a very poor background. Um, we, we, you know, it's funny. You have these just not to get off topic, you'll have these conversations with people where it's like, I was so poor that, you know, I'm like, don't go, mm. you don't want to have that contest with me. We were right, living right, right, right. on the block exactly. with the air conditioning. <laughs> we had a room in our house that we actually blocked off in the wintertime because it was not insulated and it was 
freezing cold. You could see your breath in that room. We only use that room in the summertime. I mean, wow. like, you, you want to play? I was so poor with me. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> but getting back on the topic of yeah. teaching, my, so my dad's a teacher. He's coming from this mindset that I should be a teacher. And of course, you know what, what do we all do? We all are like, I don't want to do what my parents did. I want to be different. I want to break out. So I'm going to go and I'm going to study marketing and business development, all that. But God has different plans, you know? So he's really patient and he sits back and every time it comes an opportunity for teaching, he zings me with it. And yeah. um, <laughs> so I was doing some work and I, this lady approached me and she said, I uh, saw, you know, I, she was watching me observing the way I did. And she said, I think you would be a great tutor. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Here it comes again. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's kind of happened to me in all, in all walks of life. You know, I remember when I interviewed for my position as the credit union CEO, one of the first things the the CEO, um, CMO rather, the CEO asked me was, so how comfortable are you standing up in front of a classroom and teaching? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, God, I surrender. Here I am. Here's Here what I am you need to me. Yeah. So your background is very similar to mine um, because I, I couldn't say that I grew up poor. I definitely, we weren't wealthy at all, but um especially when my stepdad went to prison. Um, so like when I was two, you know, my mom and my stepdad were together and for a while, I, I would say for a 10 year period of time, you know, we, I would say we had it made. I would say if I was to estimate how much we made, probably 75 to a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. But then once my stepdad went to prison, that's when that four year period we struggled, you know, because we just, my mom had, I think it was four or five of us at the time. So four or five children, one salary. Um, on top of that, she's trying to take care of us. On top of that, she's visiting him every Sunday, like literally for four years, every Sunday she visited him. Wow. Um, not once did she miss a weekend. And so she's still helping him financially. And then so we cut, we had to cut back a lot. Um, and there were times where we didn't really have much in the refrigerator, like especially I would say the last week of the month or the last four or five, six days of the month for those four years, we didn't have that much food. Um, so I had to adjust. And similar to you, how you fell in, you know, there was a theme of school, you know, uh, being a teacher, being a teacher, being a teacher. <laughs> for me, you know, my, my mom either wanted me to be a doctor a lawyer or um, a CEO, like a, to run a business. Or something like that. <laughs> and it seemed like everything, like, and, I, and I've been in sales for seven, eight years, but I even fell into sales. Um, my first job was at, um, at a hospital because I'm like, okay, let me give it a try. But I'm like, I don't want to be a doctor, <laughs> you know, and I thought about it. I don't want to be a lawyer. Um, but like, honestly, a lot of things that I'm passionate about, like, Cause not just sales, but operations. And like, it seemed like everything I've done is related to what my mom was pushing me toward, even though I didn't do exactly what she wanted me to mm -hmm. even like volunteer stuff. Like, you know, I volunteered in, in different organizations and a lot of it, you know, was contributed to some of the stuff she, she hinted towards me. So we definitely have, have those things in common. Oh, that's tremendous. First of all, I, I want to, um, give a shout out to your mom, even though I don't know her, to applaud her 
um, what a tremendous role model she had been for you. Um, he didn't mention this to you, but um, I raised my kids alone for seven years, um, had an unexpected divorce kind of thrown on me. And um, at the time my kids were, my son was six months old. I had a four-year-old four and a five-year-old and I hadn't worked in my field for a long time. Um, so I had an upward, an upward climb to get back into marketing and business development. In the meantime, I had to make sure that, you know, the psyche of these young children stayed intact. And I see that's what your mom was doing for you as well. You know, so I, I applaud her, you know, um, you have your personal and your financial struggles and you want to make sure that you give the best possible outcome for your children. And, um, it's obvious that your mom that your mom was a success because look at look at you here you're hosting your own podcast so that's tremendous mm -hmm. um so I, I get it that's wonderful i'm glad that you had that that opportunity and the success is there thank you i appreciate that and i'm pretty sure she she appreciate your words um honestly i don't even know if she listened to the podcast she probably does and she just doesn't tell you that's how us moms <laughs> are <laughs> i told her about it i don't know if she listened to it um, but yeah, and, um, so here's the question for you, the okay. question that I ask every guest, um, business is personal, mm -hmm. right? Um, that has been our theme for season four. When you hear the words business is personal, when you hear that sentence, what does that mean to you personally? Wow. Well, I think for so long that, you know, um, especially growing up, you know, I was taught that, you know, you act one way when you're with your family, you know, and then you clean yourself up, put your business suit on and you go in and you work. Um, and you don't mix the two. You don't talk about your family. You don't, you know, I mean, even in sales, some of the things that I learned, you know, um, and it was interesting because, you know, I had um, a stint in, in pharmaceutical sales and they take their sales really, really seriously. And they'll teach you things like, you know, when you walk into the physician's office, which way are the pictures facing? If they're facing him, pictures on, the, on his or her desk, then they're for their own enjoyment. Don't ask about the family. You know, if they're facing you, then, then you can make a few questions about the family just to, you know, have conversation. But, you know, keep it business, you know. And um, I, I find that especially in business development. Business development and sales sometimes get crossed, but I think that business development is really so much different than, than sales, but they are connected. You have to do the business development before you do the sales. Um, you have to get to know the person. You, you have to get to know the person before you can even talk about, about business. And I think that there's so much that comes from our backgrounds. I mean, for me, when you say business is personal, for me, when you're talking to me, it's about resilience. Um, I feel like I look back on my time with the kids when I was alone with the kids. And somebody asked me one time, what was the, you know, the quote, the, the catchphrase now is pivot. You know, what was the pivotal moment in your life um, that really kind of helped you move forward in your career? And he said, ironically enough, I had worked in a diner that 
the first job I took with the kid when I was alone with the kids was working in a diner. I figured it was more important for me to help them adjust to what was going to happen and what was coming than it was for me to jump right back into, you know, my field. Plus I'd been out of my field for seven years. So I took a job waitressing at a diner of all places. That is one of the roughest jobs. I, my hat is off to any man or lady that, that waitresses in a diner. And I worked mm. the overnight shift, which was hard. Wow. I wanted to That's be, brutal. Yeah. I had no money for, 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 you know, after school programs. Plus I wanted to try to continue to be available emotionally for the kids. So I was a walking zombie for like seven years because I, I was barely getting any sleep. But I remember I had an opportunity to go in to, back into sales, but it was hundred percent commission. And I was like, I can do it. And I fell in with a company that um, did a bait and switch in terms of oh, their product and their positioning in the market. And the long story short, I ended up depleting what little savings I had. And then I realized I have to go back to waitressing until I can get back on my feet again. But the pivotal moment for me was we were parked behind a sea town and I got out of the car and I had 69 cents to my name Wow! and three kids to feed. And I prayed and I said, okay, God, it's always been me and you. Let's figure out what to do with this 69 cents. And I bought rice and beans and I made some rice and beans. And that's what we made. <laughs> <laughs> and ironically enough, then I walked into a diner with the three of them. I, my mother said I didn't go anywhere without those kids. I always have this, I have this joke, Mason, that um, for the longest time while I was raising the kids, I always wore pants with belt loops and people would say why and i'd say because my son was a baby he went on my hip and each of the girls hooked their thumbs in a pant in a belt loop on <laughs> that's how we went everywhere um but yeah i was standing outside you know behind the sea town and it was me and god and we had to figure out what to do with the 69 cents and i always say that you can't hit me with anything that i can't come back from because um if i can come back from 69 cents you know, behind the sea town with three little kids strapped to me, I can come back from anything. And, mm. you know, and it's because, you know, it's because I have God at the center of my life. And, and so for wow. me, this is personal is about, you know, getting to know the person and their story so that you can then talk about doing business together. Yeah. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. Um, and you, you, you went through a lot. And you were willing to do whatever it took, no matter how hard it, how hard it was. And so, this is a moment to celebrate, like how resilient you were, because some people that they would have broke, you know, and never recovered. But you were able to bounce back and become stronger than ever, you know. So Thank I tip you. my hat to you. Like my pivotal moment um, was because I was married for three years. And when I first got married, I had a lot of money saved. And so, think, you know, our, we were comfortable. Then three years later, I didn't have as much savings and money had nothing to do with divorce at all. It was just our own issues. We were young, I got married when I was 22, 21 and a half, or actually I turned 22 a week after I got married. So, um, yeah, so I basically was 22, got divorced around age 25. I'm 27 now, but when I got divorced, I also was at a financial low at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I just accepted my losses 
And at the time, I was I moved from Rochester to Buffalo because I was born and raised in Rochester, New York. I lived in Buffalo when I was married. Then once I divorced, I moved back to my hometown. Mm-hmm. And I had to humble myself, and I took I accepted my first job after I got divorced was being a debt collector. Mm. I don't even like admitting that I was a debt collector, but I had to do what I had to do mm-hmm. to take care of myself. Um, and that was like humble pie for me because like most of my life, um, you know, I didn't really face, I mean, I faced adversity, mm-hmm. but it was because of someone else's mistake. Right. You know, so actually the failure of the marriage was on me. Mm. And so I had to accept that, um, swallow that pill, and then do what I needed to do to become better, mm. to become a better man. Personal development, I learned, you know, about emotional intelligence. And I, I had to accept, I'm like, I'm self, I'm part of it is I'm selfish, and part of it is, um, you know, I need to grow as a man. I need to grow up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, that was a humble role for me. And, um, that process. And the thing is, I don't want to, I would never take those challenges away because those challenges has, like you said, resiliency has made me better. Um, and without the different tests that come your way, how, how will you be resilient? How will you bounce back? There's a there's a story in the Bible about um, one of the disciples having a thorn, and he and he asks God, "Why won't you remove this thorn?" And then he comes to realize that the thorn is there to remind us of our dependency on Him. Yeah. You know, I. I you're I talking find, about Paul, yeah, the apostle. Yeah. yeah. I find that, um, and tell me if you feel this way too that. You know, a lot of these experiences, um, they help you to really put yourself in, in other people's shoes, you know, and to see things. And, you know, I, I always like the people say, you know, like, oh, you know, walk a mile in another person's shoes so you understand. And I always say, yeah, but you have to take your own shoes off first so you can mm-hmm. feel the calluses and you can feel where the shoes are worn and you can feel where the air, the cold air gets in and where the water sinks in. And then you'll really be able to walk a mile in that person's shoes. I think that yeah. these experiences bring us there now. Yeah, I, I feel like I've definitely become more empathetic since then. I think before my divorce, I probably was a little on the judgmental side and lacked compassion. Not that I didn't show compassion or empathy, but I definitely have a higher capacity to show empathy and, and compassion and understand what people are coming from, um, understand their emotions or their thoughts definitely more open-minded um, because like once you hit rock bottom and you bounce back from that, it's like you can meet people where they are, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know what it's like to be there. It's hard to, it's hard to relate to rock bottom if you've never been there. Yeah. But once you're there and you bounce back from that, even if the person is not at rock bottom, but close to it, you can love, you can level with them. So I totally, totally agree with you. But, you, you know, humility is such a big part of it. And I can see, you know, and just in, in, in conversing with you that, you know, it's something I, that your mom 
taught you, um, you know, that you pick up from, you know, the, the readings and, you know, your religion, your faith. Um, you know, I, I, I remember my dad always telling me to stay humble, you know, you know, you don't, um, you have to be grateful for the things that you have and the opportunities that come your way. Um, you know, even working at the credit union, um, when I worked at the credit union and I didn't live in the community that I, I, I worked in, but a lot of people thought that I did, you know, they would say, Oh, what part of, you know, Jersey city are you from? And um, I'd say, oh, no, I don't, I don't live here. And my son would say, she might as well. She spends all her time here, you know. She's, you know more. <laughs> but, I, but I felt my dad taught me that, you know, um, if a community opens their doors to you to allow you the privilege of having a job in their community, then it's your responsibility to give back, um, you know, and to stay humble and give back um, as if you live there. And I always took that seriously, no matter what the opportunity was that I was given you know, is what can I give back to these people who have um, gifted me this opportunity? Yeah. Do you think, um, I know you used this expression earlier, do you think you have to be woke in order to show empathy? <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned that, yeah, we were talking about my kids. Um, you know, my kids, the uh, ones that I, I referenced are now 21, 20, and 16. And, um, you know, my, my girls say, um, you know, mom, you've been woke for you know a lot longer than the term was um, <laughs> popular. You know, because I just, I just because I, I walk around with this whole philosophy of needing to take off my own shoes before I can walk a mile on somebody else's. You know, and um, you know, and it's funny because I remember one time we were in a car and somebody cut us off, and you know, and I didn't get angry, and you know, my daughter was like, "Look at that guy! You know, he just cut us off. You know, what a horrible job!" And I was like, "You know, let him go. Maybe he has to use the bathroom urgently. You know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he just, you know, maybe he has to go and give somebody good news. Maybe, you know, maybe he's he's in a hurry for this reason or that reason." And she was like, "Maybe he's just a jerk. Why are you always giving people the benefit of the doubt?" And I said, yeah. "You don't know. You you really don't know what's going on in people." lives so you know this whole concept of being woke is just being aware it's really just being you know being aware and being alert I remember um, my uncle sent my dad a birthday card one time and it said be alert and he opened it up and it said he said we need more alerts in this life you know <laughs> and I think that that's you know that's all that really being woke is you know um, so you know it's funny that my kids would say that to me yeah I definitely, like you said, being woke, being self-aware, um, that definitely plays a role, like, no matter if it's a professional setting, like work, you know, whether you report to someone, people report to you, being aware of yourself and then, you know, like, oh, why did they just snap at me? You're like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they had a rough day, you know? And that makes your relationship better with them. They may even come back and apologize later, you know? Um, or if it's a personal relationship, you're self-aware and then you also are aware of what they might be going through and you're like, okay. Um, so empathy and being aware always works than the other route. It's, it's better to take the, the scenic route than to try to like, oh, you did this to me or um, become upset based off of what they did because you just don't know. You, like you said, you don't know what what they're going through, what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, you got to walk into the people's shoes. You have to. Right. You know, you, your situation is never as bad as you think it is. I remember my grandfather was from Slovakia. And, um, and he said, 
to me. If everybody threw their crosses in a pile, you would pick your own back up. You know, for as bad as you think your situation is, you know, for, and I, and I, and I'll, you know, like I don't open up to a lot of people and tell them about my backstory because I, I'm not about feeling sorry for me. I'm about mm -hmm. me taking those experiences and growing from them so that I can then give more to the people that I work with. Um, you know, but when I open up and I'm vulnerable and I talk to people about, you know, the things that I've been through, they're like, they always say the same thing like you did. Oh, you've been through so much, you know, and, I don't quite know how to respond to that. Do I say thank you for right. recognizing right. that I have? Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, because, you know, I always say for as bad as my life has been or, you know, the challenges, it's not my life hasn't been bad. My life has been joyful. But, you know, for as many challenges that I've had to overcome, there's a ton more people that have situations that are, are 10 times worse than my own. And so I need to be, you know, I need to be empathetic and I need to be understanding and I need to be um, aware of my surroundings at all times in terms of what are other people going through? Um, you know, how can I help? You know, um, that we were doing this, um, <laughs> we were doing one of these online quizzes one time where you have to ask your significant other to, to finish the sentences, you know, like oh, cool. one of the phrases that I say, more, <laughs> you know, what do I, my favorite color, this, that, and the other. And it was, it was kind yeah. of eye opening to me. My husband's from Columbia okay. um, and he's, like from Columbia, like you would think he just got here yesterday, but he's been here for 20 years. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it really brings a whole new perspective into like, and so we're doing this quiz and, you know, um, we get to the question, um, what is it that I say all the time? Mm. And he said, oh, that's easy. I said, really? He said, yeah. You say, what can I do to help? How can I help you today? Mm. And I was really kind of taken back because I didn't really realize that I, that I do, um, mm. you know, or like, I, I want to take care of it for you. I want to help you. I want to, you know, how can we move you forward? I'm the person on the sidelines cheering you on. I'm excited for you that you have a podcast. I think it's fantastic. Look at you. You're such a success, you know, team, team Mason yeah. over here. Yeah, like, hey, you. <laughs> you know? um, and then people will be like, well, Karen, well, look at all the, you know, the, look at all the awards and the accolades that you have on your LinkedIn profile. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's just because they told me I have to put them there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, similar to you, when I tell people, I don't even like opening up and tell people what I go through because I don't want, I don't want to hear a poor me or poor you, whatever. Um, and I don't know how to react either. People would be like, Oh, I can't believe that you went through that or this. I'm like, it's not, it's not about that. Um, so similar to you, I, I get those responses, but for me, you know, helping other people. Like if, if somebody was to ask, like my friends, cause I'm the closest with my friends than my family. Cause it's the family dynamic that I have. I'm more close to um, my friends. And I have like, I, I would say I have about 12 to 13 good friends. And what they all say about me, despite me, like, you know, having a tough exterior, et cetera. They always say, you know, they said, deep down, you're a teddy bear. Like, deep down, like, I know that I can approach you whatever problem that I have. And um, I have nine younger sisters. Oh, my. And so I, I guess I'm, my, my, my reaction is to, like, be there for the person. Like, a lot of people, like, they said, you said, how can I help you? But people would say, I probably would say something like, how can I support you? How can I be there? 
even if that's not even me saying a word or I just listen or we go for a walk or we do photography together, whatever that is, mm. um, that's probably like what my friends consistently say about me. It's like, you're supportive. Yeah. I get that yeah. from you, Mason. You're all heart. Yeah. I, and, and you know, when they first told, cause they told me like six months ago, they called me a teddy bear. I was like, I'm like, cause I, part of like me being like my stepdad, one of the characteristics I got from him was being macho. Mm. So when I hear teddy bear, I'm like, nah, I said, that's, <laughs> I said, that hurts my ego. I don't want to hear that. But then I reflect <laughs> and I humble myself. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You're right. You guys are right. <laughs> you know, there's strength and vulnerability. A lot of, a lot of, men were raised not to understand that I say that you know it's interesting my dad has been really sick lately my parents are older and he's been going through a series of operations and um it really has being the oldest in the family um you know I I have these conversations with my dad and, and it's a little difficult him coming from that real strong European background where they have that they don't call it machismo but it's that same you know like I need to be the man I need to be strong I need to be the rock you know, and now having conversations with my dad and telling him, you know what, dad, there is strength and vulnerability. You know, only a person, a man who is sure-footed in his faith can really open up and say, you know, I go through this too, or I'm having these struggles. Um, and it's really opened up some interesting opportunities for him and I to to take our both of our faiths a little bit deeper and to talk about, you know, even, uh, you know, even Peter fell in the water. He had his doubts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, am I greater than him? No, I'm not, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can talk to you forever. Uh, thank yep. you so much for being on the show. Uh, what I like to do is give like a 60 second recap. Um, so for listeners, you know, use this time wisely, whether that's HubSpot certifications, LinkedIn certifications, there's a lot of different professional development out there. Um, use the use, um, use your time wisely. Um, everyone needs a tutor, whether that's a mentor, coach, whatever. Um, we all can learn from one another. And resiliency, you know, whatever that pivotal moment was in your life, or maybe it hasn't come yet, um, but when we all do what it takes, no matter how hard it may get, um, that, that can help us um, in our professional and personal lives. And lastly, humility, humility and empathy. You know, being self-aware, um, putting ourselves in other people's shoes, giving people the benefit of doubt um, is key. So Karen, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Likewise, thank you, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories on their lunch breaks. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating, share on social media, and make sure you come back for more episodes on Season 4 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where business is personal.